My apologies for the greater than one year gap since my last episode. It's been quite the year moving my work back to full time in Vancouver and providing patient care in our new normal of a pandemic. There are many more episodes that have been recorded. I'll keep trying to get them posted more often. Email me at podcast at iguy.org if you would like to be on a future show. In this episode, I talked with Juan Kim, a glaucoma colleague based at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, about why he has been combining multiple minimally invasive glaucoma procedures in patients who have failed traditional glaucoma surgery. I'm Rob Schertzer, a Vancouver, Canada-based glaucoma specialist, podcaster, and health IT expert, and we're talking about glaucoma. Juan Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. So you have sort of a unique approach. I don't know if this is what you do with every patient, but we, we always hear about having some sort of staged approach or starting with laser and MIGs and then another MIGs. And we've heard of combined glaucoma procedures in the past, like combining a tube with a TRAB. So wait for the tube to uh, evolve and have the TRAB kicking in at first. But you've been able to do these cases where you do multiple glaucoma procedures mm -hmm. on the same patient. So tell me how come, why yeah. should other people be doing this? Yeah, I think um, it started initially um, with um, well, trying to minimize complications, number one, and um, yeah. understanding that MIGS um, has a little bit less efficacy than our traditional surgeries, and that's without question. Right. Um, so I, I, would, um, I, come, I would come across people that I, I felt like were high risk for complications, and I had some experience with MIGS. Uh, at the time when I started doing this, it was like 2013-ish okay. or so, um, and... Uh, I can think of one gentleman who was a retired uh, general. Um, his per fields were progressing. Um, had, he had severe field loss. His uh, right. super hemi field was right. essentially all gone, and it was clearly progressing. And his pressures were um, high teens to low twenties, probably okay. averaging around twenty or so. And uh, he'd um, been vitrectomized. Um, he's uh, is formerly a high myope before his uh, FACO, and um, so he had some risk factors for maybe having some complications. Um, you know, with traditional filtration surgery. So. Um, he, he's educated, smart man. He wanted to know his options. So I just sort of gave him my full toolbox, at least what I had at the time. So I have this thing called trabectome. Right. Um, it doesn't typically get pressures in the low teens. You know, that's kind of what we'd like to shoot for you, um, because of your advanced field loss. Um, and I have this other tool called ECP, you know, um, it's, uh, um, it works a little bit differently, you know, it, but maybe the two could complement each other. Um, and they both would have a very minimal risk for hypotony related complications, which would be what I'd be a little bit afraid of uh, for right. you. Could be catastrophic. And, uh, he, I think he'd also had a, if I remember correctly, um, uh, a scleral buckle. So maybe a trab was um, maybe not such a great idea right. in his eye. We could have done a bar belt, you know, easily. Um, so we just floated the idea, and mo over multiple visits, we decided, well, why don't we just combine this and uh, see if we get what we want. Um, and so we did it. I did uh, trabectome and ECP, and that was probably right. one of the first combinations that I tried. And lo and behold, he got some really low pressures. Um, he was also allergic to Alfgan. He was on sort of maximum medical therapy at the time for him, which was sort of Zalatan and Kosak. Okay. And uh, so I, it was like 2030. So he's out to like five years, and his pressure is consistently very low teens, very consistently uh, on that regimen of Zalatan and Kosak. And um, so I started slow. I started with those kinds of picking and choosing maybe cases where I felt like uh, these patients are at high risk for complications. Let's 
try something safer just to see if we get lucky. Right. And then we still we still can always go back and do something more uh, more traditional, more invasive if we need to. And so it's, it's sort of picked up steam from there. And then another situation I started using these sorts of combinations of MIGs is that um, I get a steady stream of referrals from, uh, I'm in a military hospital, but um, there's a VA hospital near me, the DC VA, right. I'm at Walter Reed, and uh, they refer me a lot of patients. And the classic demographic is they're young, like 50-something African-American. They've already failed the TRAB right. uh, quickly. They fail multiple blood needlings with multiple 5-FU injections. Then they get an Ahmed. The Ahmed fails. They needle the Ahmed, multiple 5-FU injections for the Ahmed. And then finally, they get referred to me, and they've got a cataract now. They've uh, The pressure's in the mid-20s on Zalatan, Cosept, Alpagan, and Dimox. So and the, how does their surgery get covered? Is it because it's military hospital and oh, they're yeah, outside so of there's normal an agreement. Um, typically, VA patients don't have eligibility to have care at, at Walter Reed right. uh, unless they're retired military. Okay. Um, but um, we have a working agreement with the VA hospital in D.C., and so there's a uh, patient sharing agreement so that uh, if they have cases they want to send us for surgical management, then they will. And uh, um, the VA will actually pay Walter Reed uh, for a surgical oh, services it. rendered. Okay. So um, that's, a, that's the agreement. So I get sort of a steady stream of patients from the VA, and they're kind of all that that kind of classic demographic they're they have horrible field loss they're young they're african-american they failed multiple subconjunctival filtration more traditional approaches and they get sent to me with a cataract and you know pressure in the mid-20s on on uh on maximum medical therapy and i'm sort of asked to okay now your turn yeah try something do something so with these do something else is sort of the implication yeah and so then i go okay i it sounds like this patient's eye is telling me he It'll laugh at any subconjunctival filtration I try. So let's try something else. And that something else has often been combined MIGs. Um, it could be GAT with ECP along with their FACO since they have a cataract now. Um, uh, or um, uh, when Cypass was around, I actually did some combinations with FACO, Cypass, and two eye stents yeah. or something along those lines. And so that's kind of how it started building for me. Um, it, it was a slow burn. Um, but as I started to see successes, which there are some failures too, right. for sure. But um, I started to see some successes and um, I started to see that it was durable. For, for those for whom it worked, I have patients coming out to five years now and they still have low pressure, stable fields, low, low pressures. And it hasn't been great at reducing medication burden. That's for sure. They're on Zalatan and Cosapt Alpha again before surgery. And afterwards, maybe they're on Zalatan and Cosapt or Zalatan and Timolol. But, um, but significantly lower but pressure. Significantly lower pressures, right? So I think in my group of 72, um, they started with an average of, I think it was 22. I think the standard deviation was like eight or nine um, on about three and a half medicines. And then at last follow up, for those who haven't failed and made it to at least post up month one yep. and somehow to post up year four, uh, the average pressure was about, about 13. Standard deviation usually hangs out around three across all time points. And on about two and a half meds, just so still on a significant medication burden, uh, but um, the and more important than just pressure values, yeah. testing uh, and, and stable, stable. Um, okay. And if they're not, then of course they get advanced to more surgery, so they're right. considered failures. And I think there's um, so far been eleven failures, at least at the time point that I checked. Right. Um, I'm sure there'll be more in the future, but at least for now, it. So it's not perfect. It has, you know, um, but it's it's a nice other tool to right. have in the toolbox as opposed to just repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, so it's just something 
that I initially tried to um, try to minimize complications to avoid traditional filtration surgery. Then it turned into they've already failed everything. Let's just try something else. Now, are these all end stage patients, or have you moved it up and patients less worse off now are getting multiple combined procedures? Yeah, the, most of them are kind of bad off because I feel okay. like if they're if they're not if they're just mild moderate, I could just do regular mix. They'll probably be okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're usually that setting where they've they're kind of. The average field loss in my group at 72 is minus 15 decibels. That's the average. Right, and that, yeah. that leads to another yeah. thing uh, in terms of the follow-up for progression. Mm -hmm. When you get to the minus 15 decibel range, mm -hmm. it, it gets hard to use the visual field for determining progression. So. That's true, yeah. And then probably at that point, OCT is semi-useless too, right? They're right. kind of at the floor on there. Um, right. That's true, yeah. But... Um, but at least, with these at least from what I can tell, right. uh, the, the ones that have succeeded, their fields look stable over, some have out to five years. Right, and with the advanced damage like that too, you would expect mm -hmm. if the patients were getting worse, they would be coming into you saying, you know, things are getting worse. Right, you, that, so, that's definitely part of every you visit. You have to are, listen to our patients. Do you feel like you're okay? Yeah. Or do you feel like you're getting worse? And um, So yeah, so it's not perfect. Um, it definitely has disappointed me at, yeah. at many times, just like everything else. But it's just uh, just another tool in the toolkit yeah. and uh it's i think it's been important for me um because uh, uh of of those reasons yeah. of uh of dealing with patients a steady stream of patients who've already failed multiple yeah. uh multiple surgeries by the time they get to me yeah and, one, uh, one last question yeah. which you've been asked before which is when you're doing the multiple procedures yeah. how do you know which one's working yeah i don't and so i and i know it matter yeah i was i was um i remember i was giving the last example in my talk where it was a little bit of a crazy, uh, admittedly, like, uh, combination, but, I mean, this guy it was minus 29 decibels of field loss. He'd already failed two subconcentral filtration surgeries. His pressure was something like 28 to 34 after his Ahmed. Right. And he's four and a half months out, so I don't think it's just a hypertensive phase anymore. I think he's just <laughs> yeah. failed. So, um, and he's uh, on Diamox at his pre-op with Zaltan, Timolus, and Brinza and Diamox. He was like 22. Um, so he needed a cataract surgery. So I thought, man, this guy needs a low pressure and yeah. he's like failed everything. Um, I'm just going to pull out all the stops. So, okay. so it, to the audience, I know I had, I heard a few chuckles cause yes. it seems so ridiculous, but this guy is, his other eye is a little bit better, but horrible field loss too. Yep. I'm just fighting to keep this guy seeing. I'm thinking, man, I, I want to minimize his risk of having to return to the OR again. He's already had multiple surgeries on his other eye too. So I'm thinking, man, I just want to get the lowest pressure I can. I'm just going to pull out all the stops. Yep. So I guess what I could have done to be more cost effective is I could have done gap procedure on the eye, right? Just to get 360 on the Schlem's canal. Right. But then I thought I'm going to spill a bunch of blood into this guy's eye. Let's just stick with implants like yeah. Hydrus. So I did an, I did um, Micropulse, then I did Vago. Then I did um, hydrus in the nasal angle. I thought, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to do temporal eye stents through a small nasal paracentesis sensation. And then I, I finished with TCP. And I, yeah. I, I know it made a lot of people like chuckle, but I was just, uh, I just wanted the lowest pressure I could get for this guy. And with the best odds, they wouldn't have to return to the OR for me to hammer on his eye again. Right. And so that's, that's kind of how, yeah. Um, sometimes how the decisions are made and yeah maybe if I had just done hydrous and ECP maybe that could have been good enough you yeah. know um, I just uh, and the patient's been through enough already yeah you don't want to so it's just ideas let's just pull out all the stops see yeah. if this is good enough and uh, so at post-op month one his pressure was nine on Zalatan and Simbrinza 
So that's better than Zaltan, Timolol, and Simbrenza, and Diamox, right. I suppose. And, uh, and so how, long follow up last, have, yeah, how long of um, follow-up do you so have so far? So month one is the furthest I have for okay. him. He's very recent um, surgery, but... Um, He's, Let's see him uh, in two years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll exactly. have to report back. <laughs> but I, I have um, I have that co small group of patients that have made it out to three, four, five yep. years, and they still have low pressures. They're still on a lot of meds, but um, they seem to be stable. So, um, so yeah. So I'm hoping that that'll be the result for him too. Yeah. I guess I guess time will tell. But cool. Um, so that's sort of been the concept behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking today. Thank you, sir. Ta uh, take care. Mm -hmm. Talking About Glaucoma is a podcast of indeterminate frequency and duration. It's available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and many other podcast services. Please rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider and tell your friends about it so that it can reach more listeners. Drop me a line at podcast.igai.org with your show ideas.